0: A quick note before we get into it today, if you are not familiar with Seth Vore and the journey he is on with his family on a boat, you'll want to go back and listen to episode 110 and 112. We first met Seth in December of 2021 and then checked in with him again in June of 2022, and now we're checking in with him as he's got about 1,000 miles left on the year-long boat journey that he's doing with his family. So if you want a little more context, go listen to those first. One other encouragement as you're listening to Seth share all the interesting things that he does. Think of what you might want to do. Think of who you might be in the face of the challenges that Seth faces and the unexpected pleasures that he experiences. What might you want those things to be for you? And how might there be parallel experiences in your own life right now that you might want to reflect on as you hear what's going on with Seth. Well, today, Captain Seth joins us again. It's been since June of 2022 since we last heard his voice. And I have no idea what he's been up to. So Captain Seth, are you out there? I am. Thank you so much, John. I'm looking forward
1: to catching up and uh, sharing some of our journey with you.
0: Yeah. So where in the world are you?
1: Today we find ourselves uh, right at the Chesapeake Bay, the, uh, where the Potomac River dumps into the Chesapeake Bay.
0: Okay. I don't know my geography very well out there. Uh, Potomac, Washington, D.C.?
1: Yep. So we just uh, got back from Washington, D.C. So we're heading uh, up the East Coast and we pulled up the Potomac River. It takes about two days to uh, motor up the Potomac to Washington, D.C. We spent four nights there and toured Washington, D.C. And then uh, two days back down the Potomac River. And now we're right at the mouth where we're going to enter the Chesapeake and take a left turn and head further north up the East Coast here.
0: All right, so you'll be back on the Atlantic Ocean. Yep. So, is there a sure short... <laughs> It's funny. I've had a couple more than at least two people say, "What's going on with Captain Seth? Where is he?" And I said, "You know, I don't know." And then I think we you and I tried to make contact. Couple months ago, when you were playing in the Bahamas, exactly. <laughs> and uh... <laughs>
1: so, so, let me uh, let me just summarize what the trip is, and then we'll we'll hone yeah. in on and where we are in in the trip. So, like you said last time we talked was June, which is crazy that that was almost a year ago, uh, and we had not really left uh, our home port or where we purchased the boat. And so, we've been on this grand adventure called the Great Loop. It's a six thousand mile boat trip. Uh, we got started in. St. Louis, Missouri, but we headed north first, which is not how you normally do this loop. And we did that uh, for a couple of reasons. One was weather and one was uh, we wanted to learn our boat on Lake Michigan in the summertime when it's beautiful on Lake Michigan. And so we headed north first. We made it as far north up Lake Michigan to the uh, upper peninsula of Michigan at Mackinac Island. And then we turned around, and then we've been on this uh, great loop ever since. So we came down Lake Michigan, down the Mississippi River, a section of the Ohio River, and then this waterway called the Tennessee Tom Bigby Waterway, and that dumps you out in the Gulf of Mexico right at Mobile, Alabama we spent some time in alabama and then across the panhandle of florida we had a big overnight crossing of the gulf of mexico to get us from the panhandle of florida to kind of the west side of florida we marched down the west coast of florida we spent some time in the florida keys uh key west and uh, the keys islands and then up to key largo where like you mentioned we uh, went over to the bahamas and so uh that was a whole adventure of itself. We spent a month over in the Bahamas. Uh, we came back from the Bahamas uh, about six, six, seven weeks ago. And we've been on our journey up the east coast of the U.S. since then. So Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, Virginia. And now uh, we've done up the Potomac River, back down Uh, from here. We'll continue north on the Atlantic side of the U.S. uh, up the Chesapeake Bay. uh, We'll round New Jersey and into New York Harbor where we're past Lady Liberty. We'll go up the Hudson River, take a left at the Erie Canal, and then there's a little Oswego Canal that gets us into Lake Ontario. We'll spend some time in Canada this summer and then uh, uh, complete our trip, or what they call Cross Your Wake, uh, is uh, where you complete your loop. And we'll do that in Mackinac Island on the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And we're looking for about mid uh, August to do that. So we're about three months away from completing our loop and being done with this, uh, great loop trip.
0: So how many miles are left of the 6,000?
1: We should be about a thousand left. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 1500.
0: Yep. Amazing. And you said there was an overnight, something in the Gulf of Mexico, Florida, like what was special about overnight?
1: So it's a very long, it's the longest single day, um, number of miles that you need to go on this trip. And it's from Carabell, Florida to Tarpon Springs, Florida. And the reason that you need to, uh, do it that you can, you can do it in a daytime if you have a boat that goes fast or a boat that goes fast that you can afford to burn as much uh, fuel as that takes (laughs) to do in a single day, uh, the the trick is you need to time it for for good weather conditions and so we waited 17 days on the panhandle of florida waiting for those good weather conditions wow uh, to be able to get the ideal uh, time to be able to cross and boy did we time it it was absolutely amazing you can't get better conditions than than what we had absolutely flat water There was a full moon, so we got to see uh, a beautiful, beautiful sunset as we were entering the Gulf of Mexico. And then we saw the full moon rise up, and we were never in darkness really all night long because we could see the horizon with the full moon. We had beautiful, calm waters. It got a little bit rough, maybe uh, three or four in the morning, but. Uh, nothing really to complain about compared to what the conditions normally are out there. And then uh, you want to time it so that you arrive on the west coast of Florida with the sun fairly high in the sky. So you don't want to be looking uh, directly east into the sunrise as you're trying to arrive because uh, people uh, do crab fishing off the coast there. And so there are all these crab floats that are out there with lines on them and steel cages at the bottom of the, the water. And so if you wrap one of those around your propeller, you're dead in the water and it's, it's not a great situation. <laughs> and so you got to make sure that you can see those and so yeah we spent a 22 hour day we left at 3 in the afternoon uh to to make this happen we saw that beautiful sunset moonrise and then arrived with the sun high enough that we weren't blinded looking for those crab pots and uh thankfully knock on wood we have not had uh any encounters with any of those uh getting wrapped around our propeller on on the entire trip so now what if you did well, uh, you can snorkel down there and see if you can unwrap it yourself. That uh, depends on the conditions and, and the clarity of the water and things like that. Uh, we have thankfully two engines aboard so you can limp in on one if you just have one propeller that's affected uh, and then usually boat yards will be able to either send a diver down to take care of the situation or use a boat lift that gets you up and out of the water and on shore and then they can figure out what's uh, wrong and and unwrap it in the easiest case it's just unwrap it in the worst case you probably have some kind of damage there bent propeller or a shaft that wobbles or something like that and so uh, but there are very many capable boat yards and you're Never far from one on this trip. It's one of the things that's pretty appealing about it is that you're you're near a lot of um, you know coastal cities that are very well equipped to to handle boaters. And so um, that that's probably the the longest crossing that that we've had that where we were just out of touch with any boatyard whatsoever. But on either end there's there's lots to um, to be able to help you.
0: So how far offshore are you? Like, what's the furthest? you're offshore at any given time
1: Um, that I think we were probably uh, maybe 50 miles uh, from land at any given time. 50 to 100, I think, is probably the maximum we would ever been uh, offshore. And it's really you know other than that one and then the crossing to the bahamas that is a big other kind of ocean crossing um other than that you're you're doing short hops in protected waters uh, for the duration of this trip and so those are the big kind of notable crossing ones but um for for the for most of the days that we've been out here uh, they've been you know about 40 mile day uh which takes us uh, you know 5 or 6 hours and in pretty calm calm waters
0: so when you're that far offshore, that sounds a little scary to me. Is it to you? It's not.
1: Uh, it, I think my wife is a little more scared of it. There's there's kind of two approaches. When we were crossing the Gulf, we were with 10 other boats. And so there's some safety and community, uh, but there's also some uh, wild cards there, right? Somebody could have a mechanical breakdown that changes everybody's plans in the middle of the night. Uh, Somebody could decide that they want to go faster or slower or, you know, get out there and decide they're going to change a plan. And so getting 10... Boat captains to agree on exactly what we're going to do for 22 hours is sometimes a difficult (laughs) uh, thing to do, but uh, yeah. So, so there's certainly opportunities to buddy boat with, you know, one or more other boats. If, if having that community nearby you, you can always, you know, see, see another boat and and have it within sight. When we crossed over to the Bahamas, we did not have that situation. We went uh, solo, but there were, a lot of boats out there so not maybe within eyesight but certainly within radio calling distance if we needed some kind of assistance out there so i find peace in being out there alone and not having any you know schedule or time pressures or anything with you know a group of boats that may have a different idea of what they want to do than i do but I, there's certainly boaters that um, you know like to team up and and go as a group, and and that's totally fine too.
0: Now, were you affected by any of the hurricanes in Florida?
1: Not directly. We were still on the rivers when Hurricane Ian hit, but we had reservations for staying at the the marina there in uh, Fort Myers, where the bulk of the damage from Hurricane Ian was done, and so. That changed some of our West Coast of Florida plans uh, that 's one of those reasons we stayed as long as we did in the Panhandle for seventeen days waiting on that crossing is we really had nowhere to be and so we just enjoyed some of the community of the folks that that were in that part of the world at that time too, and were scratching their heads about what their boat cruising plans really looked like uh, we did have an opportunity to tour that marina after the the hurricane and it was just devastating uh a lot of liveaboards that you know it's not just their boat it's their home and uh it, it's just the whole community completely uh wiped out and and affected by it and so uh there's still still a lot of um you know angst and healing that uh, is going on, you know that, and boat shopping and uh, wondering about. It was a very popular uh, destination on this trip that uh, is just no more. I'm sure they'll rebuild and it'll come back, but uh, it's going to be some time. And so, um, no, we we weren't directly affected by by the hurricane, like uh, the storm, uh, but certainly were uh, in the aftermath of it.
0: What's been the scariest, closest call? Oh, that's a good question.
1: Uh, I think, so early in our trip, we were probably two months in. We were in Michigan, coming back down Lake Michigan. So this puts us in probably September, August, August, September timeframe. There was a storm. We were anchored, not, not in the main Lake Michigan, but in a lake off of Lake Michigan that's tied in. And a storm kicked up and we were anchored with two other boats. And our anchor held just fine. We didn't have any issues. Uh, We had about 40 miles an hour winds. And so it was impressive, the, um, the fierceness of the storm. And being from the Pacific Northwest, we don't get thunder and lightning much. And so our kids are not really used to that. And so our approach, and this happened right kind of in the evening as the sun was setting so we made hot cocoa we were sitting out on the covered (laughs) aft deck of our boat just watching this powerful storm roll in and and listening to the uh, thunder and and looking at the flashes of the lightning and the uh, there was a sailboat that was in that um moorage that had dropped anchor near us and almost as soon as the wind picked up their anchor started to drag and they started heading for these rocks and unfortunately, the captain had a medical emergency. He went to start his engine uh, to get out of that situation and fell into his engine and cut his arm badly on his fan belt. And so not, only, not only is he uh, completely out of control, uh, dragging his anchor, being blown by the wind towards rocks, uh, now he has an injury. Uh, but they did have their engine started, so they did have the ability to move. But they didn't have the ability to pull up their anchor because he didn't have the strength to do it with his injured arm and his wife was aboard and she didn't have the strength to pull it. So they were trying to head uh, away from us, away to deeper water. And they their anchor kept kind of catching on the bottom in certain places and they were moving erratically. And... Uh, so in, in one of those movements, they crashed into us and poked a hole in the side of our boat. And so, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it was scary from a lot of standpoints. I mean, the storm itself was scary. Um, the situation for him was was scary. And, and we were concerned for him and, and trying to figure out, uh, you know, how can we help? What can we do? And then uh, to be struck by his boat uh, was also scary uh the coast guard ended up getting called and they dispatched uh all kinds of of rescue efforts to him. Um, the Coast Guard showed up, fire boats, police boats, and then a whole land-based thing. Uh, oh but my he, gosh. he got trans- transported um, pretty rapidly to the hospital, and then they transported his wife and two dogs off of the boat, and they got the boat safely anchored um, a little bit away from us. Uh, and so it was empty, but anchored safely uh, for the rest of the storm and, and the night. And when he hit us, I thought, because uh, we're a pretty big boat and he was a pretty small boat and we felt it um but it's not like it knocked us over or anything like that and i thought well they'll have they'll be a scratch in the morning and and we'll just sort this out separately i mean this guy's got um you know potentially life threatening injuries over there and uh, you know i don't need to um add to any of that by filing a police report or anything Anything of that. It just didn't even cross my mind. And uh, and so then the next morning I get up and I look uh, at, at the situation and we we had been struck pretty hard. So we had an 8-inch hole uh, poked in the side of the boat uh, well above the waterline. So it, it, we're no danger of sinking or anything like that. Uh, but it was a, a big,
2: big hole a big deal. And there were so many different jurisdictions that responded. Nobody had written a report for any kind just a medical response, a transport response. There was no uh, consideration of any, any kind of uh, other So it wasn't just a matter of you know, okay, we've seen certain information, and that's where the police report, and they have one, and might do that. Uh, so it was kind of starting over, and, and we went through that whole process, which kept in in Michigan uh, uh, on that.
1: Mexico in uh, Alabama and having a, a competent yard there, uh, pull the boat out of the water, do the work to fix it and and put it back in the water. So uh, it certainly affected some of our schedule. And uh, we had a big, ugly hole in the side of our boat for a good portion of the trip. But um, we're very thankful that, that we were safe. that He got stitched up and, and he's in good shape. And um, we got out of that that situation. But, um, yeah, that's, that is probably the, the scariest moment that we've had for sure.
0: Whoa. What's been the most surprisingly positive moment? ha huh. um,
1: there've been so many small ones, I think, uh, you know, just this week, Cruising into Washington, D.C. on the Potomac River, it just, see, like, I, I have never been to Washington, D.C., so I don't know what it's like to really fly in and see the Capitol or the Washington Monument by, by air or drive in, but to be coming in under our own power on our own boat and see those massive You know, iconic monuments. uh, It just kind of melted my heart. And there have been some of those things where, or 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 where we do we we accomplish something as a family, as a team on this boat, um, like one of these big crossings of the Gulf, or or the um, to get over to the Bahamas. That big crossing. We're you know, it it's an achievement. It's a, it's a it's a moment and it's something that we all share that is is one of those big positives, big joys, and they surprise you because I think it's hard to wrap your head exactly around like, Oh yeah, great, we're we we're, we're pulling into the sea, we, we kinda can can intellectualize what that is going to be like. Um, but the feels that you feel when that happens uh, are incredible. And, and when we pull together as a, as a team on the boat to make something like an overnight crossing or, or a long day, uh, or fighting, you know, rougher seas than we would prefer, um, those, those are the surprising times where you wouldn't think this is going to be one of our better days, uh, on this trip, but it turns out to be just because of the circumstances that, that we've all experienced together.
0: If you want to create a really bad day, how would you, how would you plan that? uh bad bad days and and, like what's a really bad day on the boat (laughs) yeah
1: bad days well we all have um mental health days mental health issue days where for whatever reason you know and and we take turns you know in no scheduled (laughs) mental health days (laughs) yes yes uh and, and, and we've all had them uh because boat life will will do that to you living in a smallish box for a year together, uh, away from home and friends and, you know, some, maybe some of your self-care routines and things like that, um, can catch up to you. And so, um, we, we try our best to take care of each other, but there's, there's somebody usually in a funk about every other day. And so what makes a bad day out here is interesting. Something like that, you know, where, where you're already not starting at a hundred percent. And then throw any other variable. It could be weather. It could be a marina that you thought you had a spot, but it, 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 the reservation got canceled. Or you thought this was going to be the sweetest, coolest anchorage ever, and you get there and it's packed full of boats. Or uh, you you know you, you thought it was going to be nice and calm in there, but then, then you get in there and there's lots of waves and it's going to be a, a less than um, restful night of sleep. And so, yeah, so it's a combination, I'd say, of... Um, you know somebody just being in a mood and and sometimes we can put our finger on you know why the mood like oh you know what i miss my friends today or oh you know what i miss whatever from home today um but then sometimes we can't put our finger on it, it just you know i'm just in a bad mood today and i don't know why and and i think that
0: happens more often than um than we know within the boat. And, and, do you have a special system, like, or way of telling each other, "Hey, I'm having one of those days"? No,
1: no. Uh, we usually uh, discover it by accident or step in it just by uh, actually you know, accidentally <laughs> saying, saying something wrong, and or just having it go go sideways. Uh, I, I will say there's there's one thing that has has helped greatly, uh, at least for for Jennifer and I is we have these headsets that we use to communicate to each other. So I, I drive the boat and Jennifer handles the lines and the bumpers and uh, so, that, so that we don't bump into things. And she handles the anchor and the anchor chain and, and things like that. Uh, but this is a 50 foot long boat. And so we're 30 feet away from each other and sometimes within line of sight and sometimes not. And so to be able to accurately communicate the situation like, hey, can you go forward a little bit more? Can you go back? We're going to bump. We're going to this or um, or even say, you know, hey, we're going to tie up on this side of the boat. But then last minute we change, we're going to tie up on the other side of the boat uh, to be able to communicate those without having to raise your voice to get the uh, actual audio communicated to the other person. So we have these headsets that allow you to talk in this conversational voice rather than just raising your voice to yell. I'm not yelling because I'm mad or you're doing something wrong. I'm yelling so you can hear me, but you're you're interpreting that as you're um, I'm I'm am doing something wrong somehow or, or or whatnot. And so those headsets have really been lifesavers. Uh, they're actually nicknamed marriage savers uh, on this trip, and I, I will say that they're they're worth every penny.
0: Now I remember you mentioning that in our last conversation, and also that you were going to have a captain come like live with you for five days and coach you and kind of show you what to do. What what were some of the biggest things you learned there that were surprising?
1: Yeah, uh, that was a wonderful experience. He came aboard. He spent five days with us. And it was, I, I think more than anything else, he built our confidence in ourselves. So there wasn't any aha moment of any technical thing that he taught us that, we didn't know before he stepped foot on our boat, but he gave us the confidence to drive this boat uh, with the skills that we already had, and give us that confidence that we're not going to crash it into the first lock or the first you know bridge that that we come to, and that was that was life changing. Uh, he worked really really well with our family in just all of the family dynamics. It's it's weird when. You know it's one thing if you have a house guest uh at at a at a home to have a boat guest it's small quarters, and so they really need to gel with the family and he really did and so he worked with all of us in all of the different roles that there are on a boat to uh, build our confidence in those and so that was that was really good and and he covered all the things so anchoring docking locking uh we had to fuel up we had to Call marinas and get reservations, and all of those basic kinds of things that we now do every single day and sometimes take for granted. But uh, he he got us confident in in doing all of those things, and so I think that really got us on a really firm foundation, so that we could focus on other things uh, of the trip rather than be very tentative and and worried about those first weeks on the boat.
0: You mentioned being in a funk. What is it that you personally miss the most about home?
1: I'll come into uh, a lot. I, I miss some of the familiarity, right? Every single day here is different and new. And that is exciting and thrilling in some ways. But sometimes you just want to go to your favorite restaurant and have your favorite food and drink your favorite pint of beer and not have to guess, like, is this going to be a good IPA or is this going to be like some terrible experience I'm going to have? Uh, you know, is this a really great burger or, or is this, you know, not? Uh, where do I go? How do I park? What do I do? Every single day, you're always doing something new and different. And sometimes... I hunger for just the familiarity. Uh, I, I miss, you know, I just miss the Pacific Northwest sometimes. I, I am, I really, particularly this time of year, those very first boat rides of the Portland spring season, uh, when you've been pent up inside all winter and it's been gray and drizzly, uh, I really just, that joy you feel when you finally, the sun comes out and you can get outside and, and, like for me, especially getting on the water. Um, now I don't have anything to complain about. I've been on beautiful sun filled <laughs> days on water for a whole year, uh, but th- that that kind of stuff, right? The 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 normal. Cadence of life in a place that's familiar to you. The the seasons changing and knowing what those are and and what to expect uh, sometimes is, is what I hunger for. And of course the people. I mean I miss my close friends and uh, seeing them and and having those interactions too. Uh, but we've made a lot of really great new friends on this trip. And I, I'm a I'm a big introvert, and everybody always says uh, this trip you you'll never forget the the people it's about the people that you meet and when i heard that i thought that may be true for everybody but me i'm not sure about that i'm i'm going <laughs> to i'm i'm not real sure but they mm. were absolutely right even for me, the introvert, is we have met some absolutely incredible people at, with uh, incredible stories, whether it's other boaters that are doing this trip um, kind of with us in the same kind of schedule, just people you meet at the docks or people you meet in these various cities that all have stories and um, just so much uh, generosity in time and and sharing uh, with us and our family as we go around. It's it's. It really has been about the people, and uh, that really has surprised me as well.
0: What have some of your favorite encounters there been?
1: Uh, we just uh, made it up to Washington D.C., and I was prepared. I, I think the, the the encounters that I enjoy the most are the ones that just take me by complete surprise, and it's it's when I think I stereotype. People based on geography or the price of the slip at the Yacht Club where we're going to be. And and, and I was just surprised again where it's an expensive place. It's called a Yacht Club, which already has like one strike against it. uh, And it's in a a pretentious kind of a place like Washington, D.C. But I I was just completely wrong, uh, 100 percent wrong. They could not have been friendlier at this place and uh in, invited us someone had just retired from the coast guard someone's dog had just died he invited us aboard to celebrate those milestones they don't know us from anybody we just pulled in today and they said come on aboard we we'd love to to meet you and talk about your story and um you know share a drink with you and uh it was the same thing at the clubhouse at the at the yacht club just so many people walking up to us and and welcoming us to the city, offering us Tips for touring around, restaurant tips, just all of those things, and I was completely prepared for the opposite. I thought everybody would be standoffish. I thought uh, there must be a lot of high security around there, so they probably don't like outsiders just tying up for a few days because you know there's there's senators and judges and politicians and other people that have their boats there, and so I, I would think they would be uh, very guarded in in sharing any of that. And they were they were completely the opposite. It was a very friendly, welcoming, awesome environment. And, um, I've been surprised at that, at a few of the different stops that we've had.
0: You were saying the, how everything is different each day. And what struck me there was you're doing this for a whole year. I remember traveling Europe for three weeks and at the end being so exhausted of just like, I of not knowing what's going to happen next or where I was going to stay that night. So I guess the only thing you have in your favor is, is you don't have to change languages right (laughs) yes yeah
1: we we don't have to change languages so that is uh, you're right there uh each of the different kind of segments of this trip presents its own challenges uh you know coming down the rivers it was all about the locks and navigating the locks and communicating with the locks so you compete with uh barge traffic on the rivers and you're always trying to coordinate well when can i get through because you don't want to show up there and they say well i got a barge it's going to be like six hours you're just going to have to idle right here Uh, that's that's no fun for anybody so there's some timing and navigation challenges on the rivers there's um, some budget concerns in a lot of these like uh, in florida or the keys you can't, uh, or we can't on our budget, just, you know, stay in marinas every night. And so, you know, that created issues or, or challenges with anchoring and finding anchorages and um, places to access some of the tourist destinations and fun things by dinghy so that uh, we could keep some of our costs down but still enjoy the, the places that we are. Uh, were. Uh, the Bahamas presented uh, challenges in weather so the weather predictions there are a little sketchier we had long days that were more miles in open blue water than we had previously experienced that were heavier seas than we would prefer and so those were challenges and what we learned early on in this trip is that if you over plan what you're doing uh, you're probably going to be more frustrated and we have absolutely found that to be true. So we we are planners by nature. We like to know what we're doing. If, if, if it's a three-week Europe trip, you, we would have it all dialed down to the minute exactly. You know, what are we going to see? What are we going to do? Where are we going to stay? And we tried that uh, for the first couple of months in Michigan when we headed uh, into the lake this last summer. And what we found was one bad weather day will cause you to have to make a dozen phone calls to reschedule every other thing that is now delayed that one day. And then it might happen to you again, two days later, and you got another dozen phone calls to make, and it leads to a lot of frustration. And so what we found is that flying a little bit more by the seat of our pants is uh, a lot more comfortable and uh, a lot less frustrating when we get out here. And so that's been a hard learned lesson because it, really doesn't feel comfortable or, or, or in, um, in concert with just kind of how we normally would run our, our normal lives back home. Uh, we would normally plan every little thing out. And so I think that's one of the big lessons we take away from this trip is that sometimes flying by the seat of your pants opens up new opportunities, uh, gives you flexibility to do things that you probably wouldn't do otherwise. And so that's one that, that we've
0: definitely learned. So it has its definite upsides. Yes, for sure. What do you wish that you had known that you now know before you started your trip? Hmm.
1: I think the the mental health piece has been the one that has surprisingly affected us uh, at, at times during the trip that we had not really planned for we we had planned a lot for many of the other aspects of the trip but we we had really only planned on one return trip home to portland during this whole year and we got that when the boat was hauled out to fix the hole in the side of it and we spent some time back home and i think we probably needed more of that more of that Home connection, more of that mental health um, piece of having e- either us flying home individually or collectively as a family, or we've had the, the uh, occasion where grandma will fly out to the boat and stay, uh, and you know pamper the kids, and um, and and that's been awesome. It it just gives everybody a boost when you when you have some of those connections uh, from home to to look forward to and to enjoy on the boat. Uh, but that's one thing I think, and, and I don't exactly know what, what the, the concrete, you know, to do's would be if we had it to do over, but that is one area of focus. I would definitely, um, if I were to advise someone embarking on this kind of a trip would be, you know, take care of it early and come up with some, you know, systems or uh, escape hatches uh, for that kind of thing. Like if you say, that's it, I've had enough. Uh, I, you know, you you can, you can pull the string that says, you know, this triggers a a return home. Like I don't, it doesn't need to be today, but in the next week, in the next month, whatever it is, I need something uh, as an escape hatch to to be able to do because I think sometimes we feel trapped and that um, we can't, we can't get off. We can't, Go and and um, th- there's no real escape. So so building in some, uh, whether they're you know quarterly escape hatches where you're going to go home as a as a pre-planned, pre-predicted thing that you can just look forward to, or um, some some way to trigger one of those while you're actually underway and and realize that you know you're getting into trouble and, and just need to take a break.
0: Wow, I didn't even know that was a possibility. I just assumed that you were there for the duration. That was it. Um, Is it hard to get? Is it hard to get back into the experience when you were gone while your boat was being fixed? Uh, it, it
1: no, It, it, it comes right back. I, it's interesting. I, I feel, um, so that that time, uh, we were very much looking forward to getting off the boat, getting home, doing. You know that kind that adventure as well, uh, but then. About halfway through that, we were really looking forward to getting back to the boat, and because at that point, <laughs> uh, so uh. so we're rent, renting our house out. It's Airbnb. Uh, it happened to have a break uh, in tenants right around that time, so we were actually able to stay in our own home. But it didn't exactly feel like home. You know, it's Airbnbified. It's it's all white linens. It's all like you know they move the vase from this side of the thing to that side of the thing. They move the uh, carpets around and 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 whatnot. And so it just didn't feel like home. And so about halfway through that process, it felt like the boat was home and that we were ready to get back to the boat. And, uh, but as far as getting back into the, you know, the moving every other day and cruising around and and things like that, that came back relatively quickly. I I think we need a balance in this trip for sure. And what, what we've realized is that when we stay put in a place for a long time, we feel an itch to move. It's it, The boat was not designed to just sit at a dock forever. We feel an itch to move on to the next port and get on with the adventure. And when we're moving every day for a certain amount of days, we feel like it's too much. We just need a couple of days downtime somewhere where we know we're going to be the same place every day. Uh, I spent some time in Norfolk, Virginia, where I was able to walk to the same coffee shop every morning. And that was super therapeutic. Just for like four days straight, wake up walk to the coffee shop and have some kind of routine time that is something that's kind of been lacking on the boat. And so, uh, and and then the same thing with being in a marina with social interaction versus being on anchor where there's just nobody around you. We need a balance of that too. And so uh, our balance has been about 50-50. So so those are our things. Uh, Some longer stays, some moving every day some marinas, sometimes on kind of solitary anchor. And then um, the thing I would change is to build in some of those escape hatches to to actually get off the boat uh, as well.
0: What were you most hoping to find on this trip that you haven't found so far?
1: I thought there would be a big aha moment about what we might want to do in the future as far as a a city that just we fell in love with that we want to live there forever or a, a a boating lifestyle that we would want to embrace forever. And I think this trip has not revealed that. It's it's nudged us in certain directions regarding that. I don't think uh, Jennifer and I, after the kids, we, we, we talk a lot about, well, Uh, we'll talk about the immediate first. So the immediate is we're going to finish this in August and we're going to move back to Portland. Uh, We've got the boat already listed with our broker and it'll be sold in August and and we're going to move back. Uh, That's important for the kids to uh, finish out high school and have their friend groups and and things like that. Uh, So that's the immediate. But I would go around again immediately. I, I would just keep on Really? Yeah, and and our daughter would do the same. And and that's wow. and that's an interesting divide because uh, she and I are are the introverts of the family, uh, but our extroverts, who you would think would love to hit a new dock and go meet any person and chat up uh, whatever, uh, have struggled the most. And I think it's because their friend groups uh, are not here, and they really just they want. They, yes, they can make friends with anybody but they really want their friends that they've, they've already made and that are in Portland. And so anyway, two of us would go around again, two of us really need to get back to Portland. And so, and the, and the deal was one one year trip. And so uh, we're honoring that deal and, and we're, 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 we're doing that according to plan. So that's this year. And then we've talked about, you know, what does the future hold? Uh, we're going to wait until the kids have graduated high school. And then uh, Jennifer and I, we've talked about going around again, buying another boat, doing the trip again. There's just so, so much to see that you really have this FOMO of you can't see it all in this one year. You can see a lot of it, but you really can't. Uh, immerse yourself every single place you go and some places you want to spend more time and some places unfortunately you just have to skip over and um, want to come back to someday and so i think we will do that but we haven't found like the one city we're like oh my gosh this is definitely the place uh we want to put down roots here and uh, you know sell our house in portland and, and come here and and this is where we're going to live uh we've realized that it is pretty Amazing to have summer in Michigan in the north and winter in Florida in the south it uh, that weather wise has been an incredible year and eye opening for uh you know where where we 're used to this uh you know pacific Northwest gray drizzle uh mm-hmm. in the winter. I'm not looking forward to going back to that in the fall for sure. So uh, knowing that this is out here and accessible, and that there's year-long boating available, like who knew? Um, I'm, (laughs) I'm excited to to have learned that. And so, um, but no, we haven't had a big revelation on this trip of um, a, a city calling our name, which is kind of a little bit what we thought might happen.
0: Now, so you're selling your boat in Michigan? Yes. What if you wanted to actually bring your boat home? Could you do it? On water? And half so, where would how would you do that?
1: Yeah. So from Michigan you could do one of two routes. Uh you you can go back down the rivers like we went down the Mississippi River and, and pop out in the Gulf of Mexico and then go south into the Panama Canal and then cut over and then up the west coast of um Central America, Mexico to um to the west coast or the the least expensive and probably more prudent is to get the boat to fort lauderdale and they put it on a bigger boat and then they ship it through the panama canal and it gets dropped off in mexico or uh, canada like vancouver island canada and then you can pick up your boat there and then cruise on the west coast and so that's it's a possibility Um, it's not really the boat for the pacific northwest though uh it's you know it, it I, I think there's a boat for every job and there are some amazing beautiful perfect for the pacific northwest boats uh this probably just isn't it uh and it's certainly too big and fancy for a weekender so as we look to move back uh to, to our you know home uh there'll probably be a, a boat in our future there but this is too much boat for that um kind of thing and so we'll look for something smaller than this but that we can still cruise around and, and enjoy the, the waters in, in all four seasons. And, and there's been some talk of, you know, the next adventure 2.0 I'm, I'm eyeing, uh, you know, departing Portland down the Columbia river and uh, go explore Puget sound for a while, the San Juan islands, the inside passage to Alaska. Uh, We've got some really amazing, beautiful cruising grounds in, in our backyard up there. And, I feel like with the experience that we've had on this trip, uh, we're a little saltier than we were when we started. And I feel like we can handle some of those uh, bigger waters and um, have some of the skills that we would need to to take on a trip like that. So that may be in our future as well. Again, not so sure on the timing of it, but. Uh, it is, uh, unless it's the absolute, your dream boat, perfect boat for you, uh, getting it from the East Coast to the West Coast is uh, kind of prohibitively expensive, uh, unless you're really up for a big adventure and in, in sailing it yourself uh, <laughs> through the Panama now.
0: How treacherous is that? Uh,
1: pretty treacherous. Well, the, the the canal itself is not. It's the getting to it. It's uh, a lot of that open Gulf of Mexico type of cruising. And then the uh, Pacific Ocean is uh, pretty notoriously poor conditions with not a ton of uh, kind of cruiser friendly ports to just hop into uh, every place. So what we're finding here on the East Coast is, you know, every 20 or 30 miles is a cute little town where you can go in there and um, tie up and and you know, go have a sandwich or whatever uh, on the West Coast, uh, things are a little more spread out and a little, a little, a lot more industrial. And so there's not a lot of little uh, cool marinas and, and towns to pop into uh, to get out of weather here and there. So, um, but I don't know that, that may be something in the future. <laughs> Pulling into Long Beach. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. So where do I tie up guys? Say,
0: hey. Yeah. You mentioned going up to Alaska, San Juan. Are there any other loops like popular loops like this one that you've done? I mean, it sounds like Alaska would be like, go there and then come back.
1: Right. Uh, Not really. So there are some uh, kind of add-ons to this loop that we're on. Like you can go up into Canada. uh, It's called the Triangle Loop or the Down East Loop are uh, portions where you can go up and kind of come down the Atlantic side uh, from Canada, past Maine, and then hit these uh, same kind of Hudson River, uh, Erie Canal kinds of things. So there's there's options in and through that section to add a separate loop to this loop, but there's no real other big loop that um, that I am aware of that people do. And there's certainly not one, uh, not a route that is as well. I think. Advertised and organized, the the Great Loop Cruisers Association that is the nonprofit that puts this all kind of together and hosts conferences on this and provides us our map and planning resources and all these things. They just do an amazing job at um, educating and making sure that we're safe out here. And uh, there's harbor hosts in all these towns that can take care of you if you need uh, help. Uh, I don't know of any other. Uh, area that you can cruise and have the type of support that that you have on on this particular loop. Uh, I'm looking for resources on that trip. Uh, in, to alaska on the inside passage i know a fair number of cruisers do it uh, but i don't know of again like the one resource that like this is the book you have to have everybody uses this book this is this is what you do um and then the other one that comes up some somewhat often is the mediterranean people will uh buy a boat or rent a boat or do uh some charters and and do some loop around the mediterranean sea and i i don't know if that's the kind of thing that would be uh maybe in our future as well but yeah, certainly,
0: uh, yeah, certainly an option. So of your whole trip where you were on the, like traveling by boat, not back home, how many nights have you not spent on the boat?
1: Um, really just one or two and it was not, uh, it it was adjacent to that trip home. So we arrived, the boat got hauled out of the water and we had some viewers from our YouTube channel that had a condo right there in Orange Beach, Alabama. And they said, Hey, would would you like to stay in our condo? And we said, actually, we really need a place to stay uh, because our boat's getting hauled out of the water. And uh, they said uh, very generously that we could stay there. And so we did. Uh, But, Aside from that, we have not been off the boat uh, for a single night's sleep. And and that was the very first time, yeah, and, and really the only time our heads were not in, in hitting the pillows in these beds on the boat um, for this year. So just that one chunk of time uh, back in November uh, when we did that. And so far, our plans are, are the same for the rest of this trip is um, we'll finish it out. Um, having um, not spent a night off the boat uh, until we moved back home.
0: Amazing. I was thinking this morning, I thought, I thought, you know, I have no idea what you've been up to. Yep. And then at dawn, I was like, wait a minute, you have that YouTube channel. I could have been watching. I don't really subscribe to anything on YouTube and try not to go there very often. <laughs> yep. So have you kept your YouTube channel updated along the way? We have. It has been really hard to to keep
1: it updated and we know of a couple of other youtubers that have uh, taken a step back because it is an exceedingly difficult thing to do it's just it's so much work just just to do the trip to navigate to check the weather to get marinas to figure out what you're doing (laughs) and just survive (laughs) fix the boat in different places everything is is a little more challenging than it is on land. So to add anything else to it uh, is that much more difficult. And so we have continued to to do the videos. It has been a struggle sometimes. We try to post them about a month behind, so that um, mostly so that creepers don't find us and you know kidnap our children things like that but also <laughs> uh, but also gives gives me some I thought of that yeah but also gives me some flexibility in uh queuing up a few so that the production schedule isn't so strict that um that i i feel like i need to not do something really cool and fun uh so that i can to just get a video out on, on a Friday. But um, yeah, with, with (laughs) one exception, we've, we've kept up uh, every Friday we post a video um, and usually about a month behind real time. uh, We've let it slip a little bit. So maybe we're about, six or eight weeks behind real time right now but uh we're we're currently posting our our bahamas videos which are just incredible but
0: um and that's on fire family is that right yeah on fire
1: family.com is the website and you can get to it from that or just search on fire family all one word on youtube and you'll find us
0: i got a couple other questions here though you mentioned boat fixes besides getting the hole in the side of your boat fixed, like what's I don't know, what are typical things that you fix? And then what are the ones that are like, oh, not that?
1: <laughs> so the typical are the maintenance items. So an oil change is a, a big deal. It's not like you pull into Jiffy Lube and uh, it's it's done and, and you drive home. Uh, there's a lot of logistics about it. So I got to get special oil filters for the diesel motors on the boat. Uh, And so I have to source those from like a marine dealer. Sometimes they're on Amazon, sometimes not. Uh, Then I have to get them to wherever I am. So some marinas are good about Receiving Amazon packages and then holding them for you if you're if you're coming there, uh, and others are not. They're like, I don't know, this guy send it back, or oh, you know, Amazon says it was delivered, but then you look around and it's it's just nowhere to be found and it's just gone. Uh, so so there's so there's that. There's oil is available almost everywhere, but the volume of oil that this boat takes is uh, six gallons per diesel engine plus the generator is another gallon. So we're dealing with thirteen gallons of oil to do an oil change plus i have to get rid of the spent oil to have it recycled at the end and so it's just a lot of weight uh and size of stuff so i can't carry all the oil i need for the next oil change now i have to wait till it's due and then i um and and like 13 uh, gallons of oil is a lot of oil to like pack in an Uber and, and get back to a boat. And they're, they're usually a little sketched out when when you show up. Um, so, so those are the kinds of normal things. And, and we have How been, often
0: do you do that? Uh,
1: that's about, that's about, about every three months. Yeah.
0: Wow. Okay. So you're going to do it four times. Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, and then the, the ones, and, and we've been very, very, blessed with this boat not having major mechanical breakdowns and uh, that's not certainly guaranteed and it's not the case for a lot of boats that will do this trip and so we've been very thankful Um, and I've also been thankful that I have been gifted with the ability to fix a lot of things uh, on my own because if you count on finding the guy that knows how to fix that thing in that city uh, on the weekend that it broke where you happen to be, uh, it leads to a lot of frustration and delays and and things. I'm
0: interrupting the recorded conversation here to, to let you all know that at this part of the conversation, for some reason, Seth's recording got really garbled. So the short summary on what he's describing here is that the exhaust some part of the exhaust system made out of cast iron that had uh, had salt water running through it for 20 years or more was slowly slowly corroding and started to gradually leak which he discovered during his daily inspections and so that was one of the largest uh heaviest most complicated things that had to get repaired during their trip
1: it has that specialized uh thing that you need and so um you just you, you get all the things lined up and you hope you accounted for it all and um that was the biggest job and it and it and it went well um but we yeah we were seeking a lot of different um kind of expert advice and doing a lot of research to make sure that we could pull it off uh and not be just completely stuck because if you disassemble it then um then you have a broken boat and you're, you're stuck
0: wherever you are so um yeah, so that, that was probably the biggest one. Wow. And how about your finances in terms of what you've planned and budgeted versus what's happened?
1: Yeah, we're probably 50% over budget. And we're budgeters. we That's not a thing that, that really... <laughs> was like, wow. Yeah, that's not a thing that happens to us. Uh, but it has happened on this trip. And I, I can attribute it to a few different things. One, it, it, at the beginning, absolutely, it was that we were living like we were on vacation, and so when you're on vacation, you you dine out and you you know live the good life and you enjoy. And um, and we treated the first couple of months like that until we started adding it up, and we're like, whoa. Yeah, we can't do a whole year like this. It's uh, that's way over budget, and and we're not really enjoying uh, a lot of the experiences. So, uh, so we started eating on the boat uh, quite a bit more, and and that helped. The uh, and then the other was marinas versus anchoring out. So marinas are expensive, and sometimes you don't really even enjoy the amenities of a marina because you pull in late at night and you're going to leave early in the morning, and you know, did you really? get to enjoy the uh, the clubhouse or the pool or the whatever. Some some marinas are as fancy as could be and, and have a tiki bar next to a pool overlooking the water and all the things. And some are, are just a bare bones wooden dock that you can um, tie to. So so marinas and then diesel fuel, it's just going to be what it's going to be is what I've found. We'll seek out cheaper fill-ups that, that we can, uh, but essentially... There's uh, there's not a lot of you know budget shopping for that. The way we kind of mitigate our diesel cost is by going slow. So when we had talked, I think in June, we had planned on going ten miles an hour, and at that burn rate you burn twice as much diesel fuel if, if as when you would go eight miles an hour oh. so, so we dropped our uh, our kind of average cruise speed from 10 miles an hour to eight miles an hour uh, a couple of months into the trip to reduce that because diesel prices were insane when we started they've come down quite a bit they were insane yeah. when we started and uh, and so that has helped a lot but man those first few days running eight miles an hour instead of 10 it just felt like you were almost going backwards like you just couldn't it just like i can't even see the trees going by outside (laughs) like are we even moving but uh but in in this trip generally you're not in a hurry and i think we see things and do things and experiencing things at eight miles an hour that you wouldn't do if you were going you know 15 or 20 miles an hour so some boats or budgets allow um they'll they'll do faster like that but what i found is that uh two things number one if you hit something it does a lot more damage if you're going 20 miles an hour instead of eight miles an hour <laughs> and so those are the guys and <laughs> and your decision making has to be a lot quicker right so if you see the rocks coming up i can right. i can see them coming quite a ways off at eight miles an hour at 20 maybe not as much and so uh i i've just experienced people going faster um Tend to have a lot more repairs, so that's one. And then the other is we're going to end up at the same tiki hut happy hour, uh, whether I go eight miles an hour or you go twenty. You might just end up there early and have a nap or something beforehand,
2: but we're going to make it, and it's going to be just fine. And we just calculated the that we've gone. So it's not like it's just completely gotten uh, away from us blindly. We Uh, You know, we could have skipped the Bahamas, it's an expensive side trip, it's a lot of fuel to
1: get down there and to do all of those things, Um, but we were at the, you know, we we, we were heading up the coast of Florida, you can either take a right and go to the Bahamas or keep on going. We made that decision to do it because uh, it is a a kind of a bucket list trip and an epic thing and when are we ever gonna be uh in the same position to to be able to do this? Uh, and so we've made some of those choices, but um it has been more expensive than than we had predicted for sure.
0: Well any closing thoughts, highlights challenges to people listening, recommendations, whatever's on your mind? Yeah, I uh
1: I, I would say Whatever it is, whatever your great loop is that you may have been dreaming of or curious about, uh, I I would just my encouragement would be to figure out what it takes to make it happen and start putting some concrete steps in place to to move towards that. Uh, I just had uh, my best friend uh, pass away this last month, and uh, he was in his early fifties and. he had, you know, dreams like we all kind of do, right? And it just really secured in in my mind that this is the right time and place for us to be doing this trip in the life of our family. Uh, I think we've talked before about uh, me being a cancer survivor and and some of my health issues in the past. And uh, health is not guaranteed. And uh, you know, my 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 message i guess is that um figure out a way to to do it sooner than later uh start working towards those dreams and and make them happen because um you don't know how many days you have on this earth and uh to be out here actually doing this uh when my friend passed away it just really hit me that um you know he had a lot of those kinds of uh, things still left in him when he passed and. Maybe don't wait. Maybe um, get out there sooner.
0: All right. And people can find you once more time at onfirefamily.com
1: is our website, and you'll find all of our
0: social media accounts
1: there, but uh, most importantly, the link to our YouTube channel, uh, which is also titled On Fire Family, and we post videos there every week on this grand adventure, and I'm sure it'll morph into something else, and you can learn about uh, whatever that is uh, when we're done with our trip uh, over there on the YouTube. All right. Thanks again. Thanks, John.
0: Thanks for listening to The John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at johnpolster.com slash podcast. Send your questions, ideas, or a simple hello to podcast at johnpolster.com. Want to stay up to date on new episodes and receive notifications of upcoming events? Register your email address at johnpolster.com slash updates.